Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by guest speaker Adam Clausing. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. So I want to jump into the Word today. I want to talk, uh, I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 11 through 12. So go ahead and open that in your Bibles or flip to it on your phones. Um, just a little bit of background while you guys are uh, looking at it. 1 Corinthians 13 is honestly one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And the reason for that is because the Corinthians, like, let me tell you, the Corinthians really felt like they had it going on. You know, they had like the spiritual giftings, they had like the outbreak of the Holy Spirit, and they're like, man, we're doing pretty good. We're doing real well. And so Paul comes in, Paul comes in in 1 Corinthians 13 and brings it back to love. And he says, You know, you can have all these things. You can be doing all these things right, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And so then we pick it up here in verse 11 and 12, where it says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. Let me propose to you this morning that the journey is not over yet. Yeah. That we're actually a work in progress. And God is not ashamed that we are a work in progress. God is not upset with us that we are a work in progress. That the work is not completed, and God is still working with us. Yeah. God is still moving in our lives. And, and I want to tell you guys this morning that if you're being weighed down by something, if you're stressed out by something, that maybe, just maybe, God actually cares more about that than you even do yourself. Now, the amazing thing about this is that, that we're still growing, that life is a journey, that we're progressing. And so even though, you know, just as a, just as a child grows up and, you know, no longer behaves like a child, and, and even though I say some probably dumb things, and Courtney probably thinks I'm still a child sometimes. You know, I've physically matured. In the same way, our life should look the exact same way in, our, in terms of our faith, that we're growing, that we're maturing. And the, amaz- the crazy thing about this is that it doesn't just come naturally. We have to allow ourselves to be teachable. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning, is I want to talk about teachability, now, I know probably everyone gets excited about teachability of like, oh, man, like, do I, do I really want to be teachable? You know, like, I, you know, I thought I was done with that. So, you know, I'm out of school now. But the thing about teachability is it's impossible to grow without being teachable. And so teachability leads to growth, which is why I want to talk about teachability. So I'm going to cover three attributes of a teachable person this morning. And... And just to start off, I, I, I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't want to be that person that in 20 years from now is in the exact same place that I am right now. You know, I'm driving the exact same car. I'm living in the exact same house. I have the exact same friends. You know, like, my and Courtney's marriage is the exact same 20 years from now. Like, no, d- don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I, I'm very content with where I am, you know, that... You know, we got, a, we got a pretty swell life. You know, I've got a good wife, no strife. I, I, I feel good. <laughs> But I want to be progressing. I want to be moving forward. And the only way I can be moving forward and having that valuable growth is by allowing myself to be teachable. So my first point is a teachable person knows when it's time to move up. So back in September, I did this 100-mile bike race. 
down in Little Rock. Um, uh, so so I, I'll be honest, I don't know why I signed up for this 100-mile bike race. I'm not particularly an avid cyclist. Um, maybe it was just to impress my in-laws who are avid cyclists, and to them, like, 100 miles is nothing. You know, but to me, 100 miles is like the equivalent of being electrocuted by, while being waterboarded. Like, I'm going to in pure torture. But nevertheless, you know, I was like, hey, I'll take on the challenge. I'll take it on. So I signed up for this race. And honestly, I love the illustration of life as a race because I think so many times it, it pertains to other things that aren't necessarily meant to be a race. Like, for instance, uh, coming out of Smitty's garage uh, yesterday, my wife and I, um, we were going home, and of course, what do we do? We go different ways because it is a race. And everything that I, that everything that I stand for as a man depends on me being able to get home first. That I will beat her and I will prove my manhood. And so, you know, I get on the highway and I'm, I'm cruising, I'm cruising, you know, and I check my rear view mirror. Oh, yeah, got, got my two-car lead. We're good. You know, churn up my, my Lecrae vibes. You know, I, I'm feeling good. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I see this silver car come up. And, and sure enough, there's, there's my beautiful wife just over there, just, just smiling, just waving. But deep down, I know... I know it's on now. I know that, that, that it, it's all, that whoever, whoever gets home first, they are the winner. And I will, I will sprint from the driveway to make sure that I make it to that door first. So, so honestly, even, even the Bible talks about life as a race sometimes and the race that we are in. And in fact, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This means that of anyone in the entire world, us as Christians should be the ones who are able to pick ourselves back up. Because when we get knocked down, we just fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And we get back up and we keep on going. That we're not competing against the world. But let me tell you, there's so many Christians out there, there's so many followers of Christ who get knocked down by the world and just stay down. And, you know, it's like, man, how, how are you doing? You know, how's your weekend? Well, you know... The Razorbacks lost again last week. They lost again yesterday. Guess I might as well just stay at home and watch reruns of The Office on Netflix. You know, I, my boss doesn't really like me at work. I don't even know if I should show up on time. You know, my, my wife and I don't have enough money, and so, you know, I, I couldn't take her out to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, so, so we just stayed in and had Lunchables. You know, like... No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That we have a resiliency because we have focused our eyes on Jesus Christ. And so when we get knocked down, we're not just getting back up and we're not trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but instead that we're focusing our eyes on Jesus Christ. And through Him, we're able to overcome. And so I, I want to read 2 Peter three seventeen through 18. It says, Therefore... Dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen.
God actually commands us to grow. How amazing is that, that God actually commands us to grow? See, when I was in this race, when I was at about mile 30, you know, I was feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I, I'm cruising along. You know, I'm, you know, it's, you know, I'm kind of looking around, and everyone else is kind of breathing hard. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm in the middle of the pack. I'm not really breathing that hard. You know, life's pretty good. You know, I've kind of shifted on to cruise control a little bit, and, you know, I, I think I can do this. I, you know, you know I, I put in my train. I can do this. Then I look around again. You know, as everyone's about 75. And this is like the senior citizen cycling club that I'm in the midst of the pack with right now. And even though that I've been training for this, I'm not pushing myself at all. I'm not even challenging myself that I've been trained for this, but there's the opportunity to move up. And in the exact same way, a lot of times in our faith, that we just shift into cruise control and we feel good about ourselves, but God is actually calling us, hey, I want you to move up. Adam, I want you to move up. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be challenging, but I want you to move up. And so often, man, it's just easier to shift back onto cruise control. You know, I, I, I don't want to be that person, you know, a, a, again, in, in 10 years, you know, who, who my faith is defined as just a one-time experience. You know, or, you know, when I'm 75, when I'm 85, I don't want to be my faith to just be a one-time experience. You know, we, we all know that we all know that high or that person that's out of high school but still talks like they're in high school. You know, it's like everyone knows Billy Joe. You know, yeah, he was the all-state receiver who led his team to the state championship, and all the girls just loved Billy Joe so much. He was the life of the party in high school, and he just keeps on living in that same life. I don't want my faith to look that same way. That yeah, I, I came down and I, I I raised my hand and I prayed a prayer. And I received the free gift of salvation, but that was a one-time thing. And really, since then, my life's just been kind of in a rut. My life's just been kind of in cruise control, and I have never actually grown. Now, to do that, we have to uh, put ourselves sometimes in uncomfortable situations where it's going to be difficult, where we have to challenge ourselves. Martin Luther King said, Human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. Every step toward the goal requires sacrifice, suffering, and struggle. The tireless exertions and passionate concern of dedicated individuals. To go further, Benjamin Franklin said, Without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. It leads me to my second point. Place yourself with others who are seeking the same things as you. A teachable person knows how to place themselves and surround themselves with others who are passionate and motivated about the same things as them. I mean, honestly, let's think about it. If you want to get in shape, but all your friends, all they ever want to do is just sit around and watch TV and eat pizza and drink beer, you're probably never going to get in shape, just being real. You have to surround yourself with people who are passionate and motivated about the same things as you. Now, I'm not talking, you know, just, you know, surround yourself with other Razorback fans who are just, you know, passionate about the Razorbacks. You know, I, I'm talking about if you want to be a good husband, surround yourself with other men who want to be good husbands. If you want to be a good businessman or businesswoman, surround yourself with others who want to be successful businessmen and businesswomen. If you want to be a good mother, surround yourself with other women who want to raise up their kids to follow God. In the same way, 
If you, want to, if you want to develop your relationship with God and you want to grow your relationship with God, surround yourself with others who also want to grow their relationship with God. Now, I'll just be honest. Once you've surrounded yourself with, that, you know, with people who are pursuing the same thing as you, sometimes they become difficult because we live in a competitive and comparative culture. And so, you know, like, you know, in the morning you get up, you know, you're having that quiet time, you, you get out your Bible, you got your coffee, you're about ready to snap an Instagram pic of it and put a sweet verse with it, and then all of a sudden you get a Snapchat from little Susie. And sure enough, there she is, you know, having her quiet time up on top of a mountaintop, you know, in the picture of just overlooking the prairies and the highlands of Arkansas, the beautiful scenery. And, and she doesn't just have coffee. She has a pumpkin spice latte. And, and she's got it. She's got her entire Bible color highlighted. And there's lots of circles and arrows and things underlined. And before you've even gotten your quiet time, you're already frustrated and discouraged. But, which is why I want to go to my, my, my point 2.5. This, isn't, this is one of the three. This one's for free. Uh, a teachable person doesn't have to justify their own life. God is the one who justifies. And this means that we, we're not in competition with the world. And that means that we can actually allow ourselves to be vulnerable. See, I was in this uh, 12 discipleship group for the last six months um, where, we, where we met on Thursday nights. And, and, and believe it or not, we actually had to sign a contract to be in this, be in this life group. I'm like, come on, Steve. Like, I gotta sign, a, gotta sign a contract? You know, this is pretty serious. But the reason we s- did this was because we were committing to more than just showing up on Thursday nights. We were committing to being vulnerable with one another, to growing, and to pushing each other as we grow as brothers in Christ. And so really an amazing, amazing growth period for all of us guys as we went through this. But it all started with us allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and sometimes put ourselves in difficult positions and maybe not hear the same opinion that we always are used to hearing. In this day and age, it's a scary world that we live in because anyone who has an opinion feels like, oh, I got the microphone at my fingertips, that I can, if I have an opinion on anything, that I can put it out there for the world to see. And believe it or not, like, people are going to believe those. You know, the crazy thing is, if you want to be a racist, all you have to do is just give a quick Facebook search, and I guarantee you that you will find an opinion that will match what you want to hear. If you want to be a chauvinist, give a Google search, and I guarantee you that you will find something that will tickle your ear. That'll give you exactly what you wanted to hear for your opinion. See, the, the, the world that we live in right now is, it, it's crazy the way that we've misconstrued truth. That truth, truth has really become, well, whatever you think it is. You know, and, and, and we take this, and, and I, I feel like the music and the media industry specifically capitalizes on this. You know, that where everyone says, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm spiritual. You know, every, we live in a hyper-spiritual culture where everyone will say, yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I, I have faith. Faith in what? I, I don't know. But I, I got faith. I, I got faith. I, I'm spiritual. You know, it's almost like the right thing to say that if you go on a first date and you actually say that you don't have, that you're not spiritual, it's like, whoop, Next. And in the music and the media industry, just, it blows my mind. You know, you'll listen to one song that I'll be talking about the blessings just raining down from the Lord. 
and you know how good it is. And then the very next song will be about drugs or alcohol and completely changing the matter. But, but, but it's all under this idea of, hey, I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. It, it's all good. It's all good. But the truth is, is that we, we all want to say, you know, everyone likes the idea of being compelled by love. You know, yes, love conquers all. Love always wins. You know, that, that, that's an idea that sells. But in reality, we've, we've completely churned the word love on its head of really what it actually means. And love that is void of truth is like a huge ship that is docked in the harbor, but is not anchored in anything. And so when the storm winds blow in, it is drift off to sea, and it is lost at sea forever. And that's exactly how we treat this word love. Instead, we should be saying compelled by truth. Because if we're compelled by truth, that means that we're anchored in the word of God. And if we're anchored in the word of God, then that means that it will tell us what it means to love, and it will actually command us on how to love. That leaves me my, my third, and, third and final point um, that, that I just want to get into. And, and honestly, the, the crazy thing about all this is that God, God is going to call us into difficult seasons. I, I, I can guarantee you, if you're not in a difficult season right now, just give us some time. Um, a teachable person recognizes the reason for this season. And uh, with this, this is kind of a pun you know, upon the impending holidays that are coming around the corner. I have heard rumors that uh, some of you will be getting up at obscene hours on Friday morning. I myself will still be in a food coma. Um, <laughs> I, I'll catch it on Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday, right? Um, but, but, but the truth is, is that God actually calls us into difficult seasons for different reasons. In that, when do you plant your grass? You don't plant your grass in the heat of the summer, in the midst of the growth. No, you plant it in the fall so that it can establish its roots in the winter. In the same way, God's going to call us into difficult seasons as well. Sometimes where it's difficult for us. Sometimes when maybe we weren't expecting it. You know, it's like, you know, God, I'm ready. You know, I want to establish deep roots. God, I am teachable. Show me what you want. And then, and then we move into that season, that winter season, where we're establishing those roots, and it's difficult. So God called Courtney and I into one of these seasons um, back in June. Uh, Courtney went in, for, went in for just a regular doctor's appointment, um, and, and we received the, the news that you never want to hear, the, the bad news of we're going to need to do more tests. Um, we've identified malignant melanoma on your leg, a skin cancer. And there's a chance that it may have spread to your lymphatic system, which really could be a serious issue. And all of a sudden, this whole Superman mentality that I had of, you know, I, I routinely joke about Courtney and I, we're going to be that, you know, that old grandma and grandpa sitting on the porch, you know, on our rockers, grandkids just running around us, you know, that we're going to live to be forever. All of a sudden that came crashing down. And I realized that, man, I started to put my faith a lot more in my circumstances than I had in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's easy to love God and to trust in God and say, yeah, I have faith. I believe in God when the times are good, when everything's rolling well, and man, I feel on top of the world. But what do you do that first time that adversity slaps you in the face? 
Because I can guarantee you one thing about this life. If you're not in adversity yet, it's only a matter of time until it does come. But let me encourage you with that, that that is when God begins to develop his work. And it was only at that time that God was able to do the work that he wanted to do in both Courtney and I's life. For me, when I heard this news, I'll be honest, we were in the car, sitting in the parking lot, and when she told me this, all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was go bury myself back in my work. Pretend that, it, that everything was going to be alright. Pretend that nothing ever changed, that nothing happened. Pretend that everything that we'd always put our hope in was never going to change. And that we were going to be the exact same way and that everything was just going to go back to normal. But I was ignoring that adversity that God actually wanted to grow and develop me in. And he had to break down that false sense of security that I had in my circumstances so that I could actually build my faith in Jesus Christ. How many of y'all can say that about a certain period that you've been in your life where, where you've been growing, you've been feeling good, and then all of a sudden, what do you do when you get that news of that doctor's report that no one wants to have. When, you, when your boss calls you into work, he calls you into his office and he says, we're shutting down your department and I don't know if you're going to have a job in the next month. What do we do in that moment? Because everything that we've placed our circumstances in starts to fade away. But let me tell you something powerful is that that is when God begins to do his work that if we allow ourselves to be teachable in that time, that God is going to grow us. He promises us. He never, he never breaks his promises. It may not be the way that we see it, the, may, the way that we want it, but God is not going to forget about us. And so my question for you guys this morning is, is God at work in your life in something that maybe you haven't thought about yet? Is there an adversity that's in your life right now that God is actually using for His glory? Are you maybe running from the very thing that wants to bring breakthrough in your life? Let me tell you, breakthrough only happens through breakdown. But are we running from the exact same thing that God wants to use to deepen His relationship with us? I want to read a final Bible verse that I believe really, really spoke to me during this season of my life um, in June and July as we went through this difficult season. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 53-58. It says, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and law gives you sin, or law gives sin its power. But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Know that God is using the season that you are currently in right now. 
Know that God is still at work, that He hasn't given up hope, and that He is still at work. That that is something that we can be excited about. That is something that we can place, place our foundation in. But sometimes it's only when we allow ourselves to be teachable. When we have to not just look at the season as a time of adversity, but a season of growth, a season of when we're developing those roots, we're establishing those roots that maybe we don't initially see. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.